0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast recorded at the Seventh-day Adventist Church of Adairsville. I'm Jared and we're delighted you're listening. But, if you're ever in the area, we'd be even more excited if you dropped in to say hi and enjoyed some good southern food with us. And what a blessing it is to be here with you. My wife Amy and I are here. Um, As uh, Pastor Jared said, we come from Kalamazoo, but I was originally born in Madagascar. And I'm glad to be here as well. And I'm glad one of my mentors is here. Uh, his name is Pastor or Elder Jake Gallimore. He's here with me. And we praise the Lord that we can worship uh, in this place with you. As Pastor Jared mentioned, um, we have served together, I think now, Pastor Jared, for four years on the Revival and Reformation Committee at the General Conference uh, together And I think pretty much we sit next to each other all the time. And it's such a good thing to be here and to see your church and to be in this territory. And I got to tell you that you are a friendly church. And I felt so welcome being here. And I want to encourage you to go in that direction uh, because we are really a family in Christ. And uh, when um, one of your brothers or your sisters come through the doors of this church, it is always a good feeling to know that you're among family members who are welcoming. So keep that up, and God is going to bless you tremendously. As he mentioned, I have the privilege of serving as GYC president. Uh, GYC stands for Generation Youth Christ. And our main vision is to inspire and challenge young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ. Because we believe that Jesus is coming soon. And we want to see him. And Jesus wants to see us, and he wants to come to this earth more than we desire to see him. And uh, I long to see Jesus come in my lifetime. As I mentioned, I went to Southern and I Bible worked for a while here in Georgia. It is a beautiful morning day in the spring. Wonderful day. You could see there the Palestinian sun rising in the east. In the valley, as you look around you, you see children playing afar off. Oh, what a beautiful spring day this is. The children are running and the shepherds are taking their flock to higher ground so that they can raise and feed their flock. Oh, what a beautiful day this is in the valley of Elah. When all of a sudden the ground starts to shake, and it's shaking, and it's shaking, and you see that something is going on. Soldiers, as numerous as the sand, gathering in battle formation on both sides of the valley. A human earthquake is being experienced. And all of a sudden, on this beautiful sunny day, as the earth is shaking, everything becomes steel. And then you hear the voice of a man screaming from the camp with anger and rage. A deep voice screaming and screaming and screaming. And you realize that this man is Goliath. Goliath. A behemoth of a man. His arm is probably larger than the size of a grown man's leg. He stands almost two feet taller than the tallest man. His armor alone, my friends, is 125 pounds. And he carries it as if it's just a jacket on his back. Goliath is screaming and he's screaming and he's yelling. And the title attributed to this man is just one word. One word. He's not a king. He's not a prince. He just has one title. Go with me to find out this title in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4. And once you're there, if you could say amen so that I know you are there. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4. Goliath has just one title. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4, this is what they call him. And a what, my friends? And a champion. Went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was no king, he probably didn't come from a noble line, he was a self-made man, and he was a champion. Goliath was a champion. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a champion is a person who has defeated and surpassed all rivals in a competition. Today in America, people are fascinated by what they call March Madness. It's where all the colleges play basketball and the best team wins. Goliath would have been the number one player on the team, of the team that won. He would have been the best Navy SEAL that the United States has ever seen. He has won all competitions and he's called the champion. The champion. But not only that is he a champion, but he's a champion of war. He's a man acquainted with struggle. Fighting is what he does. And Goliath is a champion of war. But not only that is Goliath the champion of war, but this makes the entire difference. He's the champion of war of what nation? Nation. Oh, I only heard one third of you, my friends. He's a champion of the Philistines. So many times when we hear about the Philistines, we don't realize how advanced and dominating this force was. As a matter of fact, the Philistines came from the island of Crete, and they were skilled sailors who had traveled very far. For a while the Philistines had terrorized the Egyptians and the Egyptians were tired of them. And the Philistines were tired as well because they wanted fertile land. So they decided to settle along the coast of Palestine. And their hope was to penetrate the land and get all that fertile land of Canaan. They had settled there around the same time as the children of Israel. And they were a people built for war. They were a people that would travel and dominate whatever land they would go into. And they were so skilled in warfare that they had a very interesting strategy. Go with me to chapter 13 of the same book, 1 Samuel chapter 19. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, sorry, in verse 19, this is what the Philistines had done. In there, 1 Samuel and chapter 13 and verse 19, the Bible says, Now therefore there was how many blacksmiths? No blacksmiths to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. In other words, not only were they a dominating force, they owned The trade of weapons. They had all the blacksmiths and Israel had how many blacksmiths? None. So that they could not even make a spear or a sword. They were a dominating force and Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. A behemoth of a man, a man acquainted with war. And this is who he was, and he was screaming and hungry for more war. This is how they describe Goliath, if you go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, when he appears on the scene in this beautiful spring day. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 8. Notice what is going on in verse 8. It says, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him do what, my friends? And come down to me. Now imagine if you were in the camp of the Israelites and this champion was crying out loud, it says. This behemoth of a man, notice their reaction. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a what, my friends, and men, that we may do right, that we might fight together. Goliath is hungry. In the camp of Israel. The natural champion or the natural leader who could have matched Goliath in his stature somewhat would have been Saul. The Bible tells us that Saul was taller than everybody else. As a matter of fact, Saul as well had the looks to go with it. He was a good looking man, what ladies might call eye candy. He was tall. Strong, came from a very wealthy family, had a loving father who cared for him. He was the one who was chosen to fight on behalf of the children of Israel. If you go with me to chapter 8 of the, first of the same book, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 19. Are you still with me, my friends? Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 19. It says there, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, which ultimately was the guidance of God to them. And they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be, all like, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may do what, my friends? Judge us and go before us and do what? Fight our battles. One of the reasons why they wanted a king was to not only judge over them, but was to do what as well, my friends? Fight for them. And here in the pinnacle of the warfare, where Goliath is screaming to the top of his lungs, looking for a man to fight Where is Saul when it matters the most? They were willing to disobey the voice of God and choose a king for themselves that he might fight. But where is the champion of Israel when it matters the most? In 1 Samuel, again, chapter 17, that is our anchor chapter, Verse 11, here is the reaction of the soldiers when Goliath is screaming to the top of his lungs. In verse 11, this is what it says, this is the reaction of the children of Israel, the soldiers of God with their leader by the name of King Saul, who comes from nobility, he's a king. The one screaming is a champion. He's no king. But this is the reaction, my friends. When Saul and how many of Israel? All of Israel heard these words of the Philistines. They were courageous and decided to be on the side of the Lord and fight. They were dismayed. And not only were they afraid... The Bible is very intentional when it records these words. They were greatly afraid. In other words, they were terrorized. When they saw this man, they were greatly afraid. And here's a lesson for you and I, my friends. Here's a lesson for us to remember. When you don't have God in your life, and a Goliath shows up, you will be terrified and dismayed. No peace have they that forsake the Lord. Human glory and pomp mean nothing when God does not rule your heart. You might be a king, you might have a lovely family, you might have all the wealth in the world, all the looks in the world, but if Jesus is not the king of your heart, we will be just like Saul and be dismayed. When death knocks at your door and is screaming and wanting a fight with your soul, terror will be the reaction. But you know, a Goliath is not only one who screams, but a Goliath is a relentless foe. He does not give up easily. And I want you to picture this with me as we're going on this journey. Go with me to verse 24. This is not the only time that Goliath shows up. But in verse 24, this is what the Bible says. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 24. As a matter of fact, before we read verse 24, we realize that Goliath is doing this for how many days, if you remember the story? He does this for 40 days. Morning and evening. Imagine if you wake up in the morning and you hear Goliath screaming at you. You go to bed at night and Goliath is screaming at you. For 40 days, in other words, 80 times, 80 times, Goliath shows up. The reaction of the children of Israel after they have gone through this terrorizing process eighty times is this, my friends, in verse twenty-four. It says, "And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and now were not greatly afraid; by how afraid were they? Dreadfully afraid." It is very interesting. You know, I love the Bible. It is very interesting that they are so traumatized that Goliath anymore does not have to talk anymore. All that he has to do is what? Show up. It says that they just had to see him and grown men, men of war, were running for their life. Could you imagine that scene, my friends? Goliath just shows up. And all the soldiers who are ready to fight run and run for their lives. And I imagine that the one who ran the fastest was probably Saul because he was the tallest. And as he's running, all the men are running behind him and following him because they say, This is too much for us. Listen to me closely because we're going somewhere here today. We're going somewhere. Goliath terrorized them. He's relentless. He's relentless. But I have good news for you, my friends, today. Not everybody was terrified. Not everybody was terrified when Goliath showed up and when the Goliath of your life will come knocking at your door. This is what makes the difference. Go with me to verse 26. In verse 26 it says, Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now we might say amen to that. But I want you to picture this scene. The average man at that time was about 5'7". David as well at this point in time. How old is David approximately? He's probably almost becoming an adult, maybe about 17 or 18. Nothing is recorded in the Bible about the height of David, so that means that he was probably about average height, probably about 5'6 or 5'7". The Bible does say that he was ruddy and good looking, but he was probably an average man, a young boy who had not yet reached the peak of his height. And here you could see in the background Goliath screaming to the top of his lungs and everybody running and this little young teenager saying, I can take this man. I can take this man. Who is this man that defies the armies of the living God? We might say, well, that is foolishness. But David was not terrified by Goliath because of three main points, my friends. And if you forget everything I say, please remember this. Point number one, because David's ultimate care was not the glory of men, It was the glory of God. You see it in his answer. He says, who is this man defying the armies of the living God? The honor of God was most important to him. Number two, David had learned to look at Goliath through the eyes of God. How big was Goliath compared to God? How big is God? Moses saw a little bit of the grandeur of God when he was on that rock. And God, I don't know, it must be a very immense man to be able to cover with his hand the entirety of Moses, walk at the same time by Moses, and see his back all at the same time. How big is God? How big is Goliath compared to God? In literature today, we will call Goliath compared to God a dwarf. Goliath was a dwarf compared to God. And David had learned to see the enemy through the eyes of God. Rather than through the eyes of man. And you and I, my friends, if we want to live a life of faith we will need to look at our challenges through the eyes of God. Amen? Not through the eyes of man. So to David, he was offended that this little man would defy the God of heaven. Number three, God's word never fails. And if God says something, he can do it. I don't have to argue with God if he said something. If he said it, he will do it. So David took God at his word. So David did not care about a sword of iron as long as he had the living word on his side. And to him that was enough. Three things, my friends, that would make the difference in your life. Seek God's honor. Look at your challenges through the eyes of God. And take God at his word and live it there. But I also have to warn you as a pastor that when you are trying to do God's will, some people will get in your way. And sometimes it can be those that you care for the most, that might label you and ridicule your efforts and misconstrued your efforts. They might tell you, well, why are you taking that major Why are you giving tithe when money is very tight? Why do you want to commit your life to God when you are having such a successful life? Why bother surrender to Him and destroy the family peace? In verse 28 of our main chapter... Notice what happens when David decides to defy Goliath. In verse 28, this is what it says. It says, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man. And Eliab was very happy that David had a lot of courage. What does the Bible say, my friends? He was angry at David. David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those many sheep? No, those few sheep in the wilderness. I know your pride and your insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. In very simple terms, Eliab, his oldest brother, who he must respect, tells him, you are worth nothing. You only watch a few sheep. You go to the wilderness and watch those sheep. We take care of grown men things. You take care of nothing. We don't need you here. We are just fine. The reason why you want to face Goliath, David, is because you want all the glory to yourself. I know your heart, I am your brother. You are not really seeking for the glory of Israel. You just want a name for yourself. Now Eliab, this are Pastor Moe's words to it, but Eliab was probably very jealous of David. Because remember that scene when Samuel came and showed up and all the brothers were gathered there and he wasn't chosen. But this little boy was chosen above him. And now he wants to go to the next level. And not only does he want to have special treatment, he wants a name for himself. So Eliab is angry at David. I got to be honest with you, my friends, it's not easy. When you're, those who are closest to you are the ones who are discouraging you From following God all the way. But be just like David. And this is what David did. He ignored the noise and focused on the prize. He ignored the noise and focused on the prize. And he went for it. And he went for it. Because God was who he cared about the most. And when you ignore the noise and go for the prize, there's something else that I have to warn you about. And this is probably one of the most subtle hindrances to achieving success in this life. Now, I want to be very careful as I bring up this other hindrance. But go with me to verse 38. Verse 38. Are you still with me, my friends? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 38. Just as David has decided to go for the prize and he has ignored the voice of discouragement and he's going for it, there's another subtle hindrance that shows up in his path. In verse 38 it says, So Saul clothed David with whose armor, my friend? With his own armor. And he put on a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail's. David fasted his sword and his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Here it is, my friends. When you are going for the prize and you are following God with all your heart, sometimes people will try to mold you in their own image. To achieve that success. Do it man's way they will say. I've had great success. Do it my way. But sometimes your way might not be God's way. Now I got to be very careful. Because God has placed in our lives some very godly advice. But ultimately that advice must line up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then you know there's a problem there. David says something very important. He says, I have not tested your armor. What was the success of Saul in the battlefield facing champions? As a matter of fact, Saul, we know probably he was a good leader in some cases. But when it mattered the most, with all of his fancy armor... He ran away. David said, I'm going to do it the Lord's way. And I'm going to go and face this giant with the own weapons of how I have seen God deliver me in the past. David ultimately didn't trust in the ways of man, but he trusted in the ways of God. And he decided to take a personal stand for the truth. He doesn't bend to the pressure of family, peasants or kings. He stands there, a man with God. And when God's honor is most important to you, like David, and not your own, you can draw near to the Goliath in your life. For God will fight for you and slay the giant, whatever it might be. Whatever it is in your life at this moment that you're struggling with, don't seek your honor. Seek God's honor. The Bible records this wonderful words in verse 45. In verse 45, this is what it says. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And in verse 48 it intensifies and this is what happens. So it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David. Now at this point if David was a normal soldier in the camp of Israel. What was their reaction when Goliath will draw near? They would run. But there is David. Instead of running away from Goliath, notice what does David do? That David hurried and ran towards the army to meet who? Goliath. Could you imagine what is going on in the psyche of Goliath? For 40 days he has seen this grown man running like flies. And all of a sudden... As he draws near and is expecting the same thing, this young boy is running towards him with everything that he's got. And he's running. And he's running. And he's running. And as he's running, it says, then David put his hand in his bag, took out his stone, and he slung it And he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face to where, my friends, to the earth. Again, who needs a sword of iron when you have the sword of the living God on your side? Goliath falls his face to the earth. And probably the last sight that he sees is dirt. Dirt. The question I have for you, my friends, today is what is the Goliath in your life? What is that relentless foe or habit that paralyzes and terrorizes your life? Is your Goliath your past? That keeps you, that reminds you in the morning what you have done and keeps you awake at night before you go to bed? Is your Goliath your past? And it's terrorizing you from experiencing your present and your future. Or is the Goliath the things that you have taken? Or the things that you cannot keep yourself from watching? Is your Goliath your health? And that disease that is taking away your life? Is your Goliath today that relationship that you know you shouldn't be in? But you've decided that I'm going to do things my own way. I know probably better than God. But that relationship has consumed your life and your family. What is your Goliath today, my friends? And you know what it is. Because morning and evening... It has terrorized your life. Jesus today is telling you today, I can take care of your Goliath. If you seek my honor, I will slay the giant for you. Whatever that giant might be, however big it might be in your mind, in your heart, if you seek my honor, I will fight for you. You see, David only cared about one thing, and that was the glory of God. And David learned that if he was most satisfied in him, in God, God would be most glorified in him. What about us today? What about us today? What is your Goliath? In the Bible it records this wonderful words as David had slayed this giant in verse 47. In verse 47 this is what the Bible says of our anchor text. It says, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you Into our hands. The battle is the Lord's my friend. It is not yours. Your part in this battle. Is to surrender your will. To Jesus. And say Jesus I am willing to work with you. But if you are. Taking the lead. You will help me overcome my Goliath. So today my appeal to you my friend is let God fight for you lean on his word and go by faith. Thank you for listening. For more messages and food for your spiritual life, go to adairsvillesta.com.